Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Worship team, thank you so much. You can stay, take a seat for a minute and, and um, we're going to look at the Word together. You can all take a seat. Hi, how are you? It's so good to see your faces. I was, um, I was actually anticipating, I wasn't really sure if I would be preaching to masks this morning and like having to like sneak a um, speak over the mask or something. So I'm very grateful that I get to see your faces today. Give me a smile and a wave. Um, I was just reading from Psalm 51 and, and we're going to be looking at that some more, this, some more this morning, unpacking it as we're coming around the topic of purity this month. Um, it's a great topic. Is everyone excited? Maybe a little bit apprehensive? That's all good. That's fine. But it's going to be a really good morning. Really excited to bring a word with you. Um, and excited, like, we're looking at beneath the surface discipleship. And I'm really glad that we are a church that doesn't just come and do the surface level things, but we're really interested in, in each one of us growing as disciples of Christ and doing the deep work to actually allow him to become more and more glorious in our lives. He's, he's grateful for that. So I'm a bit of a why person. I like to know why. Who else likes to know why? Um, sometimes that's probably a little bit annoying. <laughs> um, I like to ask questions and to dig out why. Um, and that can be a bit confronting, but I actually feel like it's a crucial step in things that I'm embarking on and often when I'm getting stuck with something. Asking why actually helps us to engage and to grow. Now, let me be clear, there's a difference between why questions that are coming from wanting to disengage or tear something down. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is why questions that come from a surrendered heart, a heart that's not trying to prove that we're God and um, we know better than him, but actually a surrendered heart that's trying to um, engage with God and become a friend, okay? So getting clarity on why helps us to go deeper and to send down roots. It helps us to count the cost and to accept the cost of the process. It helps us to endure. A clear purpose helps us to endure the process. And it increases intimacy. When we wrestle with something, we get up and personal with it. And I think when we are willing to wrestle with God, that's actually one of the ways that we get a more intimate relationship with him. We get closer to him. So this morning, what I have to share with you is about the purpose of purity. And I believe God wants to set before us a vision for his process of purity in our lives in order to help us see what it is and engage with what he's doing in and for us. Habakkuk 2 says, Write the vision, make it plain, so that those may, who run, sorry, that those who read it may run. Okay, so I want to make it clear to you what the purpose of purity in your lives is, so you can go for it this month. Pursuing purity is for God's glory and our good. And change happens often because we're either pushed into it by pain or we're pulled into it by vision. And I want to pull you into change through vision today. I just read Psalm 51 um, to you as I began this morning and this is a psalm that's really dear to, to me um, and I just want to give you a bit of context to that psalm. Steve, can you pop it up? Um, 
We're going to come in and out of it. But this psalm was written by David just after the prophet Nathan had come to him and confronted him about his sin. So David actually, previously, he'd seen this, he was like hanging out on his rooftop and looked over and saw this woman who, and he was like, wow, she's amazing. And then he, he actually went to her and sinned. It wasn't his wife, but he took her as his wife. And Nathan came to him afterwards and confronted him about it. And this is a psalm that he wrote in his confession to God. It's a psalm of restoration. And I want to use this psalm to just orient us in God's story. One of the beautiful things about David is that, and one of his strengths is that he had a really clear understanding of who God was and is and who he was in relationship to God. And I think it's important for us to have that understanding about where we fit in God's story and what he's doing in and through us. Because pursuing purity is not about working hard or striving, and it's not about trying to make myself right with God. It's not about perfection, and it's not about shame management. So can I have some people to help me this morning? That'd be fun. We're going to do a bit of an illustration because I want us to understand where we are in the story. Okay, so Jono, can you be God this morning? That'd be all right. Come stand over here. No pressure. You're a wonderful God. Um, and can I have someone who would be happy to be Jesus? Who wants to be Jesus? I'm just going to pull out a name. Mm. Oh, someone's got their hand up. Yeah, do you want to come be Jesus? This is Ambrose. What do you reckon? Is he going to be a shy Jesus? Maybe Naomi will come and be Jesus. Oh, thanks, Naomi. Okay, so Naomi, can you come and maybe just stand here for a minute and I'll... Um... Okay, so in this psalm, David becomes very aware of his sin and his need for God. Okay, so I think it's important, it's actually a gift to us when we become aware of our sin. It makes us aware of our need for, us, for God and the gift of what Jesus comes on the, gave us on the cross. It's actually a gift when we come to the end of ourselves and we realise we haven't got it. We haven't got it all together. We can't do it in our own strength. And that's when we can actually receive the gift of salvation. Okay, so I'm me and there's God and God is holy, right? He is holy God. And I have sin in my life. The Bible makes it really clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God has provision for us, right? He's solving that problem. So what God did was he gave us salvation through Jesus. So Jesus comes in. Naomi, you can come here. And now... Because of Jesus, I can know God and I can come close to him, okay? That's the gift of salvation working in our lives. Because of the, the gift of the cross, of Jesus paying the penalty for my sin, I can come close to God. It's an incredible gift. And every time you become aware of your sin, consider that a gift because it reminds you of your need for the cross and for Jesus, Next word, justification. Can you say that word with me? 
We've got Bible words this morning, but um, it's important. Justification is the action of declaring or making righteous in the sight of God. It's the act by which God moves a willing person from the state of sin to the state of grace. The good news is that Jesus has already paid for our sin, past, present and future, and when we willingly acknowledge our sin and need for a saviour, he makes us right with God. So now when God looks at me, what does he see? Jesus. Right? There's nothing more that I need to do. I have been justified by Jesus and now when God looks at me, that's who he sees. He sees the gift of Jesus in my life. That's good news. Right? Okay, you guys can take a seat for a minute but I am going to bring you up again later. When I say yes to Jesus and accept the gift of salvation and his justification, he puts a light of his presence inside me. So you might be asking now, if Jesus has already saved me and made me right with God, then we're all good, right? No more. Why does purity matter? Why does what I do, body, soul and spirit, even matter? Can't I just sin and ask for forgiveness? Jesus is between me and God and he makes it right, so we're good, right? Anyone else? Well, the Romans actually asked that question and Paul addressed it to them in Romans 6.1. I'm reading for the Amplified Version. And it's actually my fault, AV, don't have these. I just asked them to do some 51, so we're good. I'll read it out to you. What shall we say to all this? Should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? No. (laughs) Because while it's true that we've been saved and made right with God, we are also living in the tension between the now and the not yet. I'm saved, but I'm working out that salvation. And God has purpose for my life here on earth. He understands that while we've been saved and made right with God, we still experience sin here on earth, both our own sin and the sins of others. And he's made provision for our experience of humanity. That's good news. I don't just have to wait until heaven for it to all be over. He's providing for the here and now. He's providing for the journey between salvation and and when he finally completes it, when he comes. We're living in the tension of the now and the not yet. I'm saved, but I'm being saved. I am free, but I'm also being freed. I'm redeemed, but he's also working out his redemption story in me. And God's provision for this is the process of purification and sanctification. Bible words today, okay? So say those with me. Purification and sanctification. Okay, so they are the action or process of being freed from sin or purified, to set apart to a sacred purpose. We are sanctified by God through the Holy Spirit in order that we may grow in holiness. Sanctification always requires God's presence and it's an ongoing process by the Holy Spirit which starts when we're saved but it will be completed when Jesus comes. God is forming the likeness of Jesus in us. Now, there's a prevalent 
I think, attitude in our culture that says that if you really love me, you won't ask me to change. But there's kind of two truths we've got to grapple with there. God does accept us and love us completely as we are. His acceptance of us and his love for us are complete. But he also wants to create a safety, a, a container of safety in which we can change. True love actually enables us to change and to become more and more like Jesus. Because he loves us, he wants us free and he wants it to increase his glory inside of us. All right, so the purpose of purity. Number one, God wants us to experience the gift of his presence. It's true that he is omnipresent, he's always with us, right? But we also talk about his manifest presence. And that's like the presence that we experience. And his manifest presence is linked to our obedience because he's a holy God. If we look back on Psalm 51 verse 11, we hear David say, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. God's presence was precious to David and he knew that sin was separating him from God so he prayed for God to clean him and free him. James 4, 8 says, Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Belle spoke before and read those beautiful words from Ryan. Ryan, thank you. Thanks for the gift of that. That talked about the things that we get distracted with that actually pull us away from God. If we want to walk in close communion with God, to grow in intimacy with him, we need to let him deal with the things that are coming between us. Because we tend to hide when there's sin in our lives. It's not that God doesn't want to come close to us, but we often hide. Do you find yourself doing that? I know I do. That my first reaction is to pull myself in and isolate rather than run to my Father who loves me and is right there waiting. But God actually wants to increase his glory in us. He talks about moving us from glory to glory, the light of his presence increasing in us, the flame of his presence actually becoming brighter and brighter and more glorious. Second reason, purpose for purity is that God wants to give us freedom. Isn't that good news? God wants more for me than shame management. He wants freedom. And as we come into his presence and experience his love, he's actually able to motivate and change us through his love. Is the light of his spirit inside you burning bright and strong? Is it covered up? Is it dim? Is your lamp a bit cracked? Is there anything suffocating the fire of God inside of you? God wants you to be free. He wants to breathe his spirit on the flame inside you so it can burn brighter. When we go over to Psalm 51, 
just pulling it up again. So I'll give you the verse in a minute, Steve. Verse 12. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving a willing spirit. That's freedom. Joy. Being who, the fullness of who we're called to be. Number three, God wants to give us to each other. I really loved that question from Pastor Deb last week online when she said, how does purity affect our relationships with each other? In Corinthians 12, Paul gives this example of the body of Christ being um, like a body, like we're all different parts that are supposed to work together and and, um, to function well. It's not just about a head, it's not just about a foot, but we need each of those parts, each one of you functioning and becoming more and more free and more and more functional in the part that you play in the body of Christ. We need hearts that beat with Jesus. We need eyes to see clearly. We need feet to be functional feet. And the process by which God moves us for, like to make those things more and more glorious and more and more functional is that process of purity, his, his sanctifying work in us. We are a body and eyes no good on its own. In 2 Corinthians 7, Paul and Titus um, explain how they experienced joy over, encouragement from and affection for other believers because of the Corinthians' obedience. Your obedience affects every one of us. This is not just an individual thing. God is working in each one of us, but it's not just about you. It's actually about the body. As you engage in the process of sanctification, in his processes that purify you, that not only frees you, but it actually affects the body of Christ. Right? It actually helps us to function more fully and more gloriously. And that is good news. Number four, God wants to give us to the world. Can I have, Jono, can you come back up? And, and Naomi, are you happy to come back up? Ambrose, you can come too. Okay, so there's God. And here's the... Um, the other part of the Trinity, there's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and um, so I'm right with God. God sees me through Jesus. Yeah? Okay, can I have the four of you? Can you come up over this side? Is that all right? But the mechanism that God has chosen to show the world himself so this is the world. These are other people who don't know God yet. They actually know God really, really well. <laughs> like, are they people who know God better? Um, I am the mechanism. You are the mechanism that God has chosen to show himself to the world. And that's another purpose of his purification in our lives, that we would become an even greater brighter, more glorious representation, representation that they would see him and know him through us. 
What an honor. What an honor. And what an invitation to let him do his work in us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You can take another seat. God wants to give us to the world that others would see him in us. We are his plan for the world. We are the way that others see God. God wants to reveal his glory in greater and greater measure so the whole world would see Jesus and put their trust in him. We are the set-apart ones. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, Your life and ministry must not be disgraced, for you are to be a pure container of Christ and dedicated to the honourable purposes of your master, prepared for every good work that he gives you to do. God has good work for you to do and he's not at all concerned about the container being not perfect yet. Um, There's a verse that says that we have this treasure, the treasure of the Holy Spirit, the treasure of God inside us in earthen vessels, in jars of clay. But that's actually God's plan. It's okay that you're an earthen vessel. It makes his glory even more distinct even more marvellous and even more glorious to a world. Number five, God wants to prepare us for eternity with him. That's the purpose of his purity, his purification, his sanctification in our lives. We are living in light of heaven. Our time here is just the smallest amount, but it's supposed to prepare us for eternity with him. Are you engaging with God's work in your life in light of the reality that one day you'll stand before him and give an account? Our daily rhythms are forming us. They're not neutral. Are they forming you into the likeness of Jesus? How are you getting ready today with life, for life with Jesus forever? So how can we engage in this process of purification with God? I'm just going to give a couple um, of ways this morning and I, and I think they'll get expanded on in the next couple of weeks as we continue in this topic, but... I want to invite you in this month, especially as we're talking about purity, let him do the work. Let him work in you. Create space for him to do that this month. It's just, it's a beautiful invitation and he's so faithful. Last year, with all that we went through and the space that it created was such a beautiful gift to me for God to do some healing work and some freedom work and some deep discipleship that I'm so grateful for. His work is good. He's good at what he does. He's kind and so loving. What he brings up, he will provide the way through for. You can trust him with that. Worship. Worship aligns us with God. 
Worship clears up the static so we can see and hear him clearly. When when we worship, we're able to see him and ourselves rightly. And I think that's one of the reasons that David had such a clear view of God and himself. Romans 12.1 says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvellous mercies? To surrender ourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Get in the word. Read your Bible. Get in it daily. Read it, listen to it, study it, discuss it, wrestle with it. Ephesians 5.26 says that to make us holy and pure, Jesus Christ cleanses us through the washing of his, the pure water of the word of God. When we come in contact with his word, it's the written word that he's given us. It's supposed to lead us to an experience with him. It's not just words on a page. It's living and active. It cleanses us. It makes us aware of who we are in standing with God. It gives us a vision for his, the future. It gives us a vision for what he wants to do in our lives and the purpose that he's created us for. The Bible is an incredible gift. Ask God to give you a hunger for it. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth as you read it. Approach it with reverence and let it change you. Forgiveness. I don't know if you've noticed, but being a disciple of Jesus and even being in a church community does not mean that we don't suffer from the effects of sin. But unforgiveness is sin. It clutters our heart. In Matthew 18, 21 to 22, Peter asked Jesus, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Seven times? Is that enough? And then not. But Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven, but 70 times seven. We need to keep forgiving. Anytime it comes up, okay, God, I forgive again. Would you ask, would you invite God to clear out your heart? Would you allow him to bring healing to any wounds that are there? He doesn't want you to carry that into the next season. He does not shame you for being wounded, but he does reveal where you're holding on to unforgiveness because he wants freedom for you. We need to both forgive and to heal. And he provides for that too. He provides. He comes and he heals our hearts and he heals our wounds. But we've got to recognize what's there so we can come to him. Church, we're called to be a safe space for people to do this journey with. And I'm praying for safe spaces in this month for each one of you to do the journey of purification with. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You, that's us, his church, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's who he's called us to be. Set apart ones, pure and holy, displaying his goodness to a world that really needs him. Let him work in you. His work is good. He's a master craftsman. He's a wonderful potter. He works everything for good. For his glory and our good. Can I end by giving you a picture that I am... Um, that I saw when we were in church about a month ago. If we look over this way to the Brindabella Mountains, I saw like a, the walls of a dam, right? And it was the week where um, my son Joshua actually took a step of obedience and was baptised. And I felt God kind of revealing to me that that act of obedience was like taking a chisel to that damn wall and just... And when a chisel hits a wall, the impact actually spreads, right? And I felt God kind of speaking to me about how he's calling each one of us to individual acts of obedience that will go to that wall, the damn wall, his spirit and like the water of his spirit kind of stuck behind it. And as we each walk in obedience, we take a chisel to that wall and bang it. Each of us have a role to play in his, the outpouring of his spirit in Canberra. And you might think it's a really small thing and it doesn't really matter, but it does. We are called to be set apart we are called to obey him. We are called to be pure and holy. And he's provided the way to do that. We don't have to go digging, just respond to what he's bringing up and, and, the, and the ways that he's doing that. Because our individual obedience is what leads to revival. Your small act of obedience, your small gift of money to God. The daily ways that you set yourself apart. The daily rhythms of you responding to God and preparing yourself for eternity. They all contribute to that damn wall falling and his spirit flooding. So can I pray for you, church? Father God, I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you that you have provided so fully for us to be close to God. Thank you that while we live in the tension between being saved and you working out that salvation, that you have ways for us to engage with you. 
Lord, I pray for every person and the decisions that they make in this coming month. Lord, I pray that they would be pulled by that vision of what you have for them and what their consecration, what their sanctification is actually achieving and and producing in them and the way that you're representing yourself to the world. Lord, I pray that they would endure the pain of being refined by you. Lord, I pray that you would provide them with what they need to go through whatever process you have for them. Lord, I pray for safe spaces, safe people who will journey with them and love them well. I thank you that you want freedom for us, God. And I pray for freedom for every single one here, God. I pray that they would become even more fully, abundantly what you have called them to be. And Jesus, that your likeness would be formed in them. Before we finish today, I just want to take a moment to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus if you haven't done that before. As I've been speaking, you've become aware, yeah, I I do need Jesus. I can't do it on my own. I've tried. You have a wonderful opportunity to surrender and say yes. Jesus, I know I need you. I need a Lord. I need a Savior. So if that's you, would you take that step with every eye closed? you just lift your hand so I can pray with you, lead you in a prayer responding to Jesus. Oh, I thank you for every single heart here set apart to you. Would you stand, church? God loves you all so much and he has really good plans for his church represented here in Monash. If you would, can we just do an act this morning of surrender to God? If you're willing, would you lift your hands before God? Father God, we set ourselves apart to you. If you agree, just say amen. Do your work in us that you would be glorified, God. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.